From the University of Notre Dame, these are Notre Dame Stories. I'm your host, Andy Fuller. Well, one of the biggest stories in the last half of 2021 was the supply chain. It seems everyone was impacted by shortages or delays in getting a product from a manufacturer to a consumer. Well, now that we've turned the page into 2022, where do we stand? To find out, we spoke with Katie Wowak, Associate Professor of IT, Analytics, and Operations in the Mendoza College of Business. We'll get rolling. Uh, We're we're talking about a a subject that uh, I think impacts everyone uh, almost every day, certainly when they go to the grocery store or or wherever they're shopping. Um, But it is, I think, uh, more complex than than people realize. And so I wonder if we should start maybe defining our terms a little bit. So when we say supply chain, from your perspective, what is it that, that kind of makes up that enterprise? Absolutely. So before the pandemic, I don't think a lot of people knew what supply chains were, but it has drastically changed since the pandemic. And when you think about supply chain management, you can kind of break it down into three key components. So the first one is sourcing. And that is really when you are buying materials from suppliers in order for manufacturers to produce products. The second component is the manufacturing process themselves, where manufacturers are taking inputs from suppliers and transforming them into more valuable outputs. And then the last component is the logistics, which is when they're moving the finished product inventory from manufacturers to retail locations in order for consumers to purchase. Gotcha. Okay. So, so, so that's helpful um, to think about that. And that, and that really, I think is probably pretty standard, no matter what product you're talking about. Right. I mean, it looks different, I'm sure, depending on the industry, but for the most part, that's how something gets from where it was made to on your store shelf or, or wherever you're buying something. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. The specifics are unique to each of the individual products, depending if you're talking about food or pharmaceutical products or medical devices. But the general structure of supply chain management applies across the board when you're talking about tangible products. And like you said, uh, before the pandemic, people probably didn't give it a a whole lot of thought. But maybe we should give a little brief history lesson here because it it seems like a long time ago, but it it really wasn't. Um, I think one of the most surprising aspects of the pandemic early on, and I'm talking, you know, March, April of 2020, um, were shortages of things like toilet paper, paper towels, and then we saw meat um, after a while too. And I think a lot of people are thinking about supply chain in our very recent context, and, and we'll get to that. But give us a sense for what was going on back in spring of, of, of 2020 when, when we kind of first started to notice this on our radar. Yeah. So when people mostly schools and businesses went online, people's buying habits really changed in an unexpected way. So some of these things made sense. We saw an increase in demand for certain products like hand sanitizer, cleaning products, home fitness equipment, baking products. People had more time on their hands, so they wanted to do something to fill those those times. So it made sense that those items would increase in demand and other items completely fell off, like business attire. 
people weren't going to the office, so we didn't see demand for those products stabilize. They really, really kind of took a hit. Now, the demand for toilet paper was an unexpected change, and it really didn't make a whole lot of sense because the demand for toilet paper skyrocketed. But it result it was much higher than the actual consumption of the toilet paper being used. Yes, people were at home, so the, the demand or the usage of toilet paper would increase, but people were buying it more than the actual use of the toilet paper. So products like that, we were seeing something called panic buying and hurting behavior. So panic buying is when people buy significantly more of a product than what they need in anticipation of a disaster or potential disaster. And hurting behavior is when a person's behaviors or actions are influenced by the actions of others. So we all kind of looked around and said, well, people are buying crazy amounts of toilet paper. I should do the same thing but it didn't make sense from a rational perspective. So we had kind of this panic buying, hurting behavior that was the perfect storm for consumers to kind of go crazy with this particular product. And I think that was kind of leading to it in regard to, we saw a lot of demand for certain products shift. It was unexpected for companies, which then resulted in empty shelf stores. And that kind of fueled the consumer panic behavior so it was a perfect storm for, for consumers to mm-hmm. kind of really alter their, their purchasing behavior, sometimes in unexpected ways. So let me ask you this. What did, what, what did we or should we have learned back in, in, in spring 2020? Because I, like probably a lot of people, I always assumed when I go to the store, what I need is going to be there. And it, it was kind of a shock to the system when it wasn't. So what was what should have been our, our takeaway um, back last spring, 18 months ago? So I think some things that we probably should have learned is to buy what just what you need, not buy more than what you need, because that, I think, was kind of fueling the the panic buying, the empty shelves, people saying, okay, well, I might not be able to get it next time I go to the store. So they were buying more than their actual use was was going to be. So I think kind of buying what you were going to be using, but not overbuying is something that consumers can really kind of take away because then there's enough to go around for everybody um, from, from more of a consumer perspective. From a company's perspective, it was kind of hard because they have certain practices that they keep on hand. So how they manage inventory, when they get materials and all that sort of stuff, it's hard to pivot that so quickly, especially when a lot of your suppliers are located overseas that kind of hit got hit harder with COVID beforehand. So companies kind of had their hands tied into how quickly they could respond given the global nature of supply chain management and where inventory is located throughout their tiers. So it seemed to normalize there for a bit. You know, after we got through the spring, things seemed to kind of be back to to normal, at least from the consumer perspective. Um, But definitely by, I think, summer 2021, uh, right. We started to notice maybe some some cracks uh, appearing again. And then, you know, that took us that continued all the way through the holiday shopping season that, that we just completed. And I think we were all willing to accept that. Oh, well, it's pandemic related on some level. But I'm not sure many people 
understood why. So, so can you help us understand this most recent kind of supply chain and, and I guess current <laughs> supply chain um, vulnerability? Is it the same type of thing we saw back, you know, spring 2020 or are there other dynamics at, at play here? There's certainly other dynamics at play. One of the factors that are contributing to the supply chain issues that we started seeing last summer and continue into the holiday season is that the demand for certain items have just increased. They're higher now than they've ever been before. With the quarantine, people kind of got stir crazy in their houses. So they started moving, they started doing renovations. So the demand for house appliances and improvement are really higher now than they've ever been before. Appliances, more people are buying appliances and paint. Those higher demand combined with transportation delays and part shortages are leading to really long lead times for consumers once they place up an inventory item, once they order materials, or if they're trying to get home improvement items. So the demand for certain items has certainly increased across the board. The other issue is inventory management practices. These are contributing to the supply chain issues that we're seeing across the, the industries from a, a consumer's perspective. So before the, the pandemic, companies really tried to operate from a lean perspective. So they a lot of companies use something called just-in-time manufacturing, which is when they get inventory just when they need it for manufacturing. They don't keep a lot of inventory on hand just in case because that can be really expensive for companies. Just-in-time manufacturing, it works really, really well under stable conditions. Materials can arrive when you need them, you know, in the quantity that you need them. But now we are seeing more variability in our transportation where companies may not get the inventory that they need or their suppliers are not producing as much as they used to in the past because employees could be sick. They could be running every other workstation to enable social distancing. We're seeing a lot of um, delays at ports where inventory could be on cargo ships, but it's sitting out in the sea for 45, you know, sometimes 50 days before it can get unloaded and sent to manufacturers. And then we're also seeing trucking issues as well. So trucking is the primary form of transportation from ports and manufacturing plants to retail locations, but we're having a lot of trucking issues because of driver shortages. So inventory is just sitting there if you can't get it to kind of the last leg of the distribution. Mm -hmm. And the other factor that's contributing to it is how global supply chains are. I don't think a lot of people realize this before the pandemic, but we have such global supply chains where even if a company's first tier supplier, so their direct suppliers for the manufacturing plant are domestic, most likely their second or third or even fourth tier suppliers are located overseas primarily in China. And we're having a lot more delays with shipping materials from those suppliers who are overseas to manufacturing plant, um, plants domestically. Hmm. So and, a lot and, of factors that play here. <laughs> exactly. Well, exactly. And it, it shows just how complex the supply chain is because you've got all these different factors here. If something is being made in China, let's assume it can get on a boat and then come over here. Now you have uh, a wait at the dock because of any number of, of issues. And then even if it does get off the boat, you have uh, the variability in trucking. 
um, where there's a, there's a, a shortage there. So there's, there's, there's so many different points along the way um, where the supply chain uh, could be vulnerable. And I, and, and I hear you saying they're all kind of, um, they're all kind of not great right now. And it's a cascading impact. I mean, you can't have buffers in the system where one issue can be resolved at the next step. It just adds it to confounding effects for every leg along the supply chain. And supply chains can be really fragile, especially when companies don't keep a lot of inventory on hand. And that's actually one of the lessons learned is companies are trying to accumulate more inventory now. So if there's variability in lead times or delays, they can still keep the manufacturing process going. Because if you are a manufacturer of pretty much any product, you know, a product that uses multiple components, you can't keep producing unless you have all of those components. So even if you have one little bolt or, you know, a component that's cheap, but a critical component of that product, you have to stop production until you get that inventory on hand. And I'm thinking of cars as a, a great example. You hear a lot about the microchips that are also used in like gaming consoles. And, and we can't get that. We have all the tires, we have the fenders, we have the doors, we have everything up, but we don't have that that chip, right? As yep. one Absolutely. Yep. That's a perfect example of it. Give us kind of a state of play now. I mean, we, we all knew about it and kind of braced for it during the holiday shopping season. You know, folks probably shipped things, you know, right after Thanksgiving to make sure that they, they arrived um, by Christmas. But now, you know, we're recording this uh, after the holiday season. And I wonder if a lot of folks are optimistic that maybe these supply chain things will kind of straighten out. Um, how optimistic should we be? Where are we right now? I think it's always good to be optimistic. You always have to have that perspective in life. But I think it is fair to say that things now that the holiday season are are past us, it's given chance for companies to kind of breathe for a second. And hopefully things will stabilize in regard to product being more stable and we're not seeing spikes in demand that we see before Christmas shopping season. So it is hopeful that things over the next couple of months will stabilize and give companies a chance to kind of catch up with their manufacturing and their production process and more importantly, to get inventory that they have on hand and kind of accumulate a little bit more inventory to keep their production schedules more stable. What what long-term lessons do you think the last, I don't know, 18 to 24 months um, might be incorporated on the company side? Keeping more inventory on it is going to be probably the first thing that they can do and the easiest short-term kind of fix that they can implement. The other longer term strategies that companies are probably going to be considering is changing or expanding their supply base. So making sure suppliers are kind of spread out from a geographic perspective. So if you have one plant shut down in China, you can still get materials from another supplier, perhaps in a different location. So kind of changing where they're getting inventory from is going to be another longer term solution that companies should consider, but finding the appropriate suppliers to give you the right components, that's a process. You have to really work through if a supplier has those capabilities and the, the capacity to supply you. So that could take a while for companies to, to implement. And then the other thing that you can 
argue as well is companies might not be making major changes right now. They could still be in the information gathering phase because you could really argue that we're not past the pandemic yet and things are changing really, really rapidly. So they're probably still gathering a lot of information. And then once things stabilize, once the pandemic is officially over, whenever that may be, that's when you'll probably see a lot of changes from a company's operational perspective because it'll be stable. It'll be more stable and they'll be able to make these changes with more confidence. Right. Because right now things are, I mean, inherently in flux. And so why make lasting decisions in a very temporary, we hope, (laughs) (laughs) how temporary uh, context, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, hopefully we can expect things to stabilize a little bit more from a a consumer's perspective. I mean, I think we all have those horror stories where you've ordered something and you've waited six, nine months in order to get it. So I think the takeaway from consumers is just to plan ahead, really consider longer lead times from the products that you're purchasing and to kind of maybe even manage your expectations. So we're used to getting a lot of the things that we ordered pretty quickly. I mean, Amazon has gotten people used to the two-day delivery, but Mm -hmm. with the pandemic, we might just see longer lead times moving forward in general. It might not ever come back to the really quick delivery that we're used to seeing, and it's just changing our perspective with this new environment that we're all operating in. I think everybody has a new appreciation for supply chain management now (laughs) post-pandemic. Right. You're very popular these days, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Either popular or unpopular when people can't get the products that they want. They come to me and say, why can't you guys figure this out? (laughs) Right. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's a double sword, I guess. Katie Wolak, thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Andy. I appreciate it. Notre Dame Stories is produced by the Office of Public Affairs and Communications. I'm your host, Andy Fuller. Our music is by Alex Mansour. 